You understand why I hit you, right? Our identities fall under the same S-level secrecy restrictions as the solar reactors. Why did you show yourself like that? Go ahead. Give me a reason. You are so stubborn. You're really asking for it. Huh? Fine, then. You don't have to tell us. But you're now a danger to the rest of us. Knock it off, Tiaria. If we let him get away with this kind of foolishness, he'll be putting our lives at risk as well. The plan is still in its infancy. We cannot afford to slip up. I'm not leaving. Huh? I'm not leaving Exia. And I am a Gundam Meister. <sighs> Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Double O a try. My name is Jeremy. I'm too expensive to animate. I'm Tyler. (laughs) My name is Zach. Today we are watching episode 7 of Gundam Double O, Unrewarded Souls. Poor Unrewarded Souls. Which, I don't know, does this feel like more of the same, or with the ending, does it feel like something's going to happen now? Yes, yes to both, it, it actually. It feels kind of like there has been a slight change in the world state, but we still really don't know anything. We haven't progressed at all. It's almost exactly the episode where Sergei fights uh, the Exia. Interesting, because I was thinking it's almost exactly the Terribia episode. D- why not both? <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like the show has done a lot of repeating itself. I do feel like it sets up that something might actually change at the end of it. I mean, I think this is the last guy we needed for... I think he's the last major character, and we kind of know his deal, and it's automatically tying into Setsuna, but we still kind of spinning our wheels here. We're just adding another proper noun. Did Setsuna need all the rivals? Is he being a rival hog? The answer <laughs> is yes. Does well, he deserve be- it? That's because Setsuna is the guy in the main Gundam, so he has to fight all the Shars. Does he, though? I would really like to see Tyria fight a duel in the Virtue. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a duel, Gundam. I know, and that's why I would like to see it. I it think would be Isaac really funny. Run circles around it. <laughs> no, see, he, how you win a duel in that thing is you back it, you put its back to a wall, and then you just vaporize the countryside in front of you. Duel completely won. All right, so if you have not watched any Gundam Double O up to this point, there are too many characters. Way which is too many proper nouns. Which is weird considering how many characters Seed had. Yeah, and but like, Seed had the easy, quick reference guide to them all. Like, this guy is associated with this guy, and they're contrasting each other with these two characters. Here it's like, okay, who belongs to what now? Yeah, say so Seed made a dependency graph. This one just kind of like Jackson Pollock a bunch of splatters onto a canvas. And now they're starting to draw some lines between them. There are four fuckboys. Their mom gave them Gundams. <laughs> their grandpa gave them Gundams. We already went over this. Yeah, their great-grandfather gave them Gundams, and their mom said, okay, you're of age. You can open the packages now. <laughs> they are trying to end war by warring everybody so hard they get tired and stop. Peace through superior firepower. And boy, do they have superior firepower. 
everybody is basically just three nations. The Union, which is America and Japan, all the good stuff. Uh, and Australia. I said all the good stuff, Zach. <laughs> don't have to drag the Union down like that. Nonsense. Australia is where they store all their biological weapons because there's no place more dangerous than Australia. The Human Reform League, which is Indochina-Russia. And the Advanced European Union. Consisting of Britain. All of them got a Shar. And they're all like, I'm going to capture a Gundam. With my Shar. Graham Aker, he's the best Shar. He belongs to the Union. He's hanging out with Dan and Billy. And Daryl and Howard. Sergey, who's the best dad. Yes. <laughs> Sergey, best dad. Who was given a child, so <laughs> appears and said, use this and steal a Gundam. <laughs> and he is like the only character who's ever been given a child in one of these series and been like, dude, seriously? It's a child. <laughs> and new Shar, Ali Al Sanchez, whose deal we're going to find out this episode. He's kind of an insane mercenary? I guess that's just He's not thing. an insane mercenary. He's a psychopath. Sorry, that, sociopath. That's, that's a insane. form of insanity, Zach. No, he's just money hungry. Okay, well. Also, there's Saji Crossroad and his sister Kinoe. They're in Japan. Oh, I forgot about Saji's girlfriend. Yeah, Saji's girlfriend, Luis. Uh, there's Chun Li. There's Ribbons Allmark in Alejandro Corner. There's, I think, one other character. Chun Li's brother? And a girl from uh, Unspecified oh, yeah, Stan. That, yes. Marina Ismail, that's her name. And Marina Ismail, she's trying to get power for her Middle Eastern country. And don't forget her aide slash teacher slash arrogant friend. Don't feel friend seems strong. Nanny? She's <laughs> like her nanny. But she's like, like 20 odd. Well, yeah, but like in the, in, in the old timey sense where she was also like your tutor and like basically just your overall caretaker. Her surrogate mother. I think that's everyone. It's too many. Well, no, we also forgot all the characters off the Ptolemaeus. Yeah, yep. all the bridge buddies and their boys. And, and Sumeragi. <laughs> yeah, their mom. I don't I feel like Sumeragi counts mom. as a bridge bunny. Yeah, Sumeragi is a character who deserves mentioning, but we did mention the fuckboy's mom. Yeah. So... <laughs> Mom was like, okay, we need to go to war on PMCs because they seem bad and the advanced Europeans are supporting them. They're just businessmen doing business just because their business is war. To be fair, she did say if we succeeded against war, then the PMCs would just fall apart. And that was kind of part of the plan. Except the advanced Europeans are like, what if we warred warrior? And now we're here. And they're like, okay, here's the plan. You four, fuck him up. And... They were like, Ali Al Sanchez, we want you to capture a Gundam. Here's this fancy mobile suit. We'll give you unspecified amounts of money for that. As much money as you can imagine. <laughs> we'll give you one Han Solo's worth. So the last episode ended with Setsuna, the prime fuckboy, fighting Ali Al Sanchez and be like, wait, I think I know this guy. I was going to say, let, let me refer to that fuckboy prime, um, <laughs> <laughs> because that's way funnier. So which one is Beta? Hallelujah. Okay, yep. Yeah. Yep. And Tiari is fuckboy alpha and Lockhan is fuckboy omega. <laughs> All right. So again, we are watching episode seven, Unrewarded Souls. You can watch along on Crunchyroll if you like. We begin in the Krugus Republic, which I don't know if this is the first time it's been brought up or not. I think we also established this the first time we saw a flashback to Setsuna's childhood. I think it's mentioned at the very beginning of the series. Yeah. It's shown. I don't know if it's mentioned my name. I think it has the same, like, identifying uh, text about it at the beginning. I'd have to go check, but I think it does. Anyway, where someone's like, hey, to join this holy war, there's something you need to do. And it's kill your family, I guess. And that is dot 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 gunfire. And we see some kids walking out of their homes like zombies after murdering their parents. 
And specifically, one of those kids is Child Setsuna. And Alibaba <laughs> is like, congratulations, now God thinks you're bros. You are and now permitted to join this holy war. I cut back to the fight between Setsuna and Sanchez. This is the part from last episode, actually. Yeah. Where it's like, you suck. Your Gundam's cool, but you suck. And Setsuna's like, wait a minute. I know who tells me I suck. <laughs> I do think it's a pretty effective intro. The flashback to Setsuna makes it feel like it's more than just what happened last time. But we also reestablish, slash remind you exactly where we were. I think it works. My question is, does Setsuna have that flashback in the time during that fight that we're supposed to think it happened i don't think so or is it an unrelated flashback and then we just cut to setsuna i think that's just information for the audience yeah and i guess i was actually my question is is it just for the audience or is it actually a flashback setsuna's having i think it's actually a flashback because that helps like setsuna's never struggled in a fight like this before right he's not the best sergey kind of got an upper hand on him but he wasn't like dazed i think it comes up later i don't think right there because the placement of that flashback doesn't make sense. That's for what I was thinking. Context. I think that part of the flashback is for the audience because we see him flashback again during the fight, and that I think is specifically supposed to be sets in a flashing back to it. Yeah, because I don't think he's realized it's Sanchez yet. Yeah, because right after that, when it flashes back to him in the modern time, he says, "Wait, could it be like he doesn't know who it is yet? He hasn't figured that out." So the opening finishes, and hey, we get our favorite recap of the status quo. It's slightly different. Did we need this this time? Well, Tyler, when you have most of an episode, but you're not quite enough. It's disappointing to get this, because it does have that very strong pre-opening setup there, and then it just, like completely stops that yeah we lose all momentum by going into this thank you that is the terminology i was trying to find but could not remember what the words were we get a bunch of cool flashbacks of the gundams doing cool things and destroying a bunch of stuff until aliel sachez shows up and they do the thing where the narrator calls him sachez aliel sachez so sachez is like well the gun didn't work but i didn't expect to capture the gundam in one piece anyway so i'll cut you up Well, I mean, realistically speaking, they just need to get the reactor for the most important part. So, Sanchez kicks one of the blades out of Setsuna's hand, and he's like, I know this move. And then he flashes back to not that move being taught to him by Sanchez. It is not a kick. It is just like a disarm. Yeah, arguably the second time it happens is more similar. So, being disarmed of his beam sabers, he pulls out the fancy blades he got last episode. I do like Sasha's reaction to this. Just how many of those do you have? Seven. The answer is seven. I do like that it vibrates a little bit when he, like, draws it. It's a cool effect. But Sasha's is like, I can read your moves. And now we get the flashback again to a little bit before what we saw in the opening. Yeah, of his mother begging him and saying his real name even, Soren. Do we know this is his mother? We don't explicitly, but... I'm assuming it is. It's at the very least one of his family members. They know him by name. Yeah. Also, we get Setsuna's real name. So Setsuna goes rage state and just cuts through Sacha's sword. But Sacha's back steps in time and is like, well, that's a sharp ass sword. But then Setsuna starts using Morse code. Via the flashing light on the Gundam's head. Sacha's is like, what? Is this guy nuts? He wants me to get out of the cockpit. But But then then Setsuna actually opens his own cockpit. And we cut to the bridge buddies being like, what is that boy doing? And Lock-On is, a, is nearby and is like, what the hell is he doing? 
And even Sanchez is like, man, is this guy sane? Why is he coming out? Judging by the size of him, he's got to be a kid. You know, it's not like he could just be a slender anime guy. Definitely a kid. Celestial whatever. See, the reason why I think he does this is he doesn't have any other weapons on board right now. So he's like, I, might as well. So yeah, Sanchez comes out. He's like, hey, you want a fist fight? I'll settle it that way. As he takes off his helmet and sets in the season, I'm like, yeah, it is that asshole. He's got a beard now. And it's definitely him. And he doesn't have the turban. So Setsuna immediately pulls his gun, but Sanchez is fast enough to also quick draw him. It's like, what, you call me out just to shoot me? That how it gonna be? Let, Let me, me see at your least face. see your face as Setsuna is clearly not listening to him. They start dramatically tightening their fingers on the trigger, but Dynamis shoots in between the two of them. I was gonna say, the way that Setsuna is about to pull the trigger is exactly like he did it in his flashback. It's like almost verbatim the same animation. So the Haro is yelling at Lockon for missing, but he's like, I missed on purpose. If I had blown up the attack, Setsuna might have died too. I do like that. He's clearly trying to cover Setsuna because he easily could have taken Sasha's head off. But if he destroyed the enact, there's a good chance it would have killed Setsuna at the distance they were standing. So the enact starts flying away and Lockon starts taking shots, but he dodges. It like Matrix dodged, like, like bent over at the waist. Making Sanchez, I guess, the best pilot so far? <laughs> so Lock-On gets on uh, Setsuna's comms to start berating him, and then Sumeragi literally pops up over Lock-On, who gets this, like, flabbergasted expression. It, it kind of <laughs> looks like she's, like, actually tackling him yes. in, the, in the cockpit. I, I don't so much think that it's a matter of Sanchez is the best pilot we've seen so far, Jeremy. Because if you look at it, Graham and uh, Sergei actually haven't engaged anybody other than Setsuna. Yeah, okay, but Sanchez has done the best. He dodged attacks. I mean, true. He also had the upper hand. I guess all of them have gotten the upper hand a little bit on Setsuna. Also, he did also have the uh, uh, mental advantage over Setsuna, even though he didn't know it, whereas the other guys didn't have that same advantage. That's true. So Sumeragi's like, give me an explanation later. For now, skip step five, go on to step six, can you? And Setsuna's just like, Roger. I mean, that is exactly the kind of thing you would want to do. It's like, well, we can't stop this. We, we can't just immediately bail. We've got to finish this first. And Superhog is like, the plan is a mess thanks to that child. And it's like, what did you expect? You gave this thing to a teenager who's clearly got some PTSD problems. Yeah, as I say, you gave it to an emotionally unstable teenager like this is a Gundam show or something. So we have Chun-Li in the background here. Did you notice that her shirt seems drawn much more reasonable in this episode? Oh, don't worry. It changes frame by frame. I know. <laughs> but I think we have more good frames of it than bad. There are definitely some where it looks just like it did last week, but then there are some where it just looks like it's got a little yellow trim and it looks fine. Like here, it just looks like it's got a collar trim of cream. Yeah, we'll see it on the back at some point, and it looks like it's like tied on the back, which makes it look like it's an extra piece that she put on over her shirt bafflingly fashion is weird so cut to tiaria destroying everything we actually see him deploy all his particles ahead of him to make a shield which is the first time we've seen this happen which is kind of a neat like effect we've gotten implications that he could do this before it's just never actually happened yeah and then he uh proves why overkill is best by just vaporizing everything now you is like hey tiaria setsuna went and did it again man and tiaria's like rah, 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 rah. I'm the grumpy one. I do wonder if Thierry wears contacts when he's piloting, if that's like a prescription visor or if he doesn't actually need glasses. He just wears them to look smart. Yes. I mean, he's not wearing them when he's piloting. 
I mean, they might just get in the way of helmet. Okay, so, case in point, Alex needs glasses. She didn't wear them while wearing a motorcycle helmet because they get in the way. So, Well, I mean, I'll, I guess it depends also on how your prescription is. I think there's... Because, like, if, in my case, if I were to do something like that, I can see without my glasses. Just not I, well. <laughs> I can't do things like really read. I can't see detail without my glasses. So we cut to the Moralian military headquarters. Moralia is the name of the PMC country, if you've forgotten. There's no response from Enrio base. And they're like, so uh, how bad are our losses? And like, well, we've already lost more than half our suits. So bad, enormous, you might say. I actually kind of like the fact that, like, these are actually relatively sensible numbers. 32 destroyed, actually destroyed, 26 damaged. Because, like, that actually sounds kind of like a tank core from, you know, World War II or whatnot. Sorry, not a core. That's that's way too big. But like that's a reasonable amount of vehicles lost. And we found out last week they had about 130, and this was a huge exercise. Yeah, we're, we're not to the same scale as Destiny, where entire countries' worth of mobile suits are being deployed on either side in every battle. So some guy comes in and says, the PMC Trust is saying we have to withdraw. The guy in charge is like, where are we supposed to withdraw to? Cut to the United States. Where Graham Akers is like, man, I didn't think they were going to get beat up this bad. The Gundams are dominating. And Sergei's like, man, you should pull back, Just man. surrender. Stop sacrificing people's lives for this. So I keep suggesting terrible ideas for fan dubs of this at some point, And I just want Graham Akers there to say, kill-tacular. <laughs> Cut to the British Foreign Office, where I guess the Prime Minister of Britain or the AEU representative of Britain is like, well, this is going much worse than we thought, but are we ready? And this really reads to me similar to the Terribia situation, where I still don't know what the AEU's plan is for Moralia. Are they trying to politically absorb them? Are they trying to be like, oh, they have a bunch of stuff for building military stuff, but we'll move in and shift them towards making space colony stuff for us? I think they're trying to just politically absorb them into the AEU because they work. They are kind of like a outlier on their own. If they come in and provide all the reconstruction assistance, people will feel, you know well disposed towards the AEU so they'll be able to just be like yeah we're now part of the AEU and that adds all the resources of this new country to them I think Moralia was already part of it I think the PMCs were just you know not I don't know is the thing is what I'm saying yeah and it's very unclear how this benefits anyone but it apparently benefits the AEU cut to a boardroom they're like what we lost the Gundams the PMC HQ operations conference room which looks a lot like a conference room they're like, can we talk to Sanchez? And they're like, due to their bullshit particles, no. And this guy is like, there's only four of them. This can't possibly be called a war. It's a one-sided fiasco. Which is kind of true. I also don't know, like, Sergey's like, you should surrender. How do you surrender to four dudes? Um, How do you surrender to dudes who won't talk to you specifically? I mean, they do Eventually, at the end yeah. of the episode, so. Yeah, but how do you get on the radio and try and surrender to them without them standing literally on your doorstep? That's true. Send up a flare. I would assume like a broad spectrum, like open comm channel or something like that would probably get the job done. Except they have jamming particles, so maybe not. Well, I mean, if you're just broadcasting on every frequency, like it, jamming just means they can't talk to each other. They, they can't hear it. That doesn't mean that the Gundams can't. It depends on how the bullshit particles work. Yeah, but they don't know how they work. Yeah, no one does. I, oh, I don't no. Think... Danny Elfman is figuring it out. I'm just saying that, like, like you could try doing that. So the bridge bunnies are like, hey, they're at the rendezvous point. Let's move to phase six. Sumeragi's like, yep, let's wrap up. Cut to them in a ravine. Complaining about 
the unscenic scenery, I guess. Well, the fact that they have to, like, pay attention to their flying. <laughs> and Lock-On is like, yeah, it's fine. We're, we're counting on my Haro's navigation. And then he runs into a wall. And the Haro tells him he sucks. <laughs> Which is amazing. So we cut to Setsuna, who is having thoughts about meeting that asshole who told him to murder his parents. And like, man, how did he get here? Did he join a PMC because he had nowhere else to go? What happened to his god? He was really into that guy last time I met him. And then he gets a call from Tiaria right behind him. And is like, dude, if you do that again, I'm a vaporize your ass. I love the dick measuring they go. Where Tiaria just was like, sets an F say. It's like, Tiaria Erd, I can full name you too, asshole. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of how it is presented. But it also is all kind of just what Setsuna does. Like, when he greets people, like, acknowledges I, you exist. Such he a crossroad. Their, he uses their full name. Okay, so really quick, they all have code names. These do are they, all their code names, yeah. Do they have any significance? Because Lock On clearly does. I don't think so. I think Lock On picked his, and everybody else's were basically drawn out of a hat. Well, like, Actually, I think Alleluia probably did too. Because yeah. he, he's Alleluia and Hallelujah. Yeah, so. and those seem significant. And I'm wondering if the other ones are just like pieces of Japanese literature that I don't know or something. Could be. Anyway, Tara's like, hey, if you ever do anything foolish like that again, I will shoot you in the back. And I have a very big gun. And Tetsu's is like, you trash a solar reactor? He's like, yeah. Just, so they don't find the secrets of the Gundam out? Yes. I mean, it's actually not a bad... Like, it makes perfect sense. So speaking of the secrets of the Gundam, Setsuna got his ass kicked earlier and dropped two beam sabers on the ground. Did he ever pick those up? I'm assuming he picked them back up because he was left on the field and Sanchez wasn't. Okay. And we will see him use them later in this battle. Okay, I didn't ever notice him use them again, but I will believe that. So speaking of Sanchez, he lands with his unit, which he told to just go hide because they're not main characters, and he didn't want them to get killed. And they compliment him on fighting on par with a Gundam. He gives us the line of, uh, money only matters if you survive. It's like, yeah, mercenary, it doesn't matter if you die winning. You don't get paid. You don't get to spend your paycheck. So he then has some inner monologue, noticing the way that Setsuna used the sword. He's like, hey, could he be from Krugis? I think I taught a bunch of kids to Krugis to knife fight like that. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's impossible. He also was like wondering, do I know him? Does he know me? So we cut back to the bridge bunnies and they're commencing last phase as they come screaming out of the canyon right on the doorstep of the HQ. We're like, okay, have our mobile suits take them on. That's been working out great for us so far. Well, I mean, if you don't have any other options. They kept a surprisingly large number in reserve here. Not a terrible idea, but kind of surprising. And then we get like a cut through of all of them basically announcing who they are and then doing a thing. Yeah, it's very Power Rangers. As they all do their thing. Yeah, and say their taglines. Well, you gotta sell those toys, Zach. I know you don't really care for it, Jeremy, but I kind of like the Curious's beam Uzi. I like it and I don't like it. I'm very torn on it. I can't not think about it. There are things I really like about it. It just seems like such a weak weaponing compared to what everyone else has. Well, I mean, Setsuna and the Exia literally has swords. Yeah, but they swords have weight and power. He's also, he Darth Mauls his two GN blades, speaking of that. But the Axia is too expensive to animate, so we don't get to see it do anything cool with them. Which is weird, because usually they love animating the Axia. Well, we see it get to do some cool things. Almost everything happens off screen, though. It's probably a situation where they are trying to save a bit on that, because everybody else is probably cheaper to animate just because it is like just beam, beam yeah, fire just and all that. 
I will say in this show's favor, it looks really good. Just pretty much all the time. I said that about Destiny 2, but like... But the thing is, Destiny would always use those stock footage shots. And it's not that Double O never does that, but they go out of their way to choreograph new and exciting fights. But I really wish we had, like, tension in a fight. Because that's the thing Seed had that we don't have yet, right? Yep. Those fights where you're like, oh, is this giant crab going to destroy the impulse? Yeah, because right now, the, the Gundams are just so wildly overpowered. overpowered in comparison. They're like playing with cheat codes on. So the Gundams are now basically acting as, like, they're rolling Intimidate checks. They're just standing in front of this tower, rolling Intimidate checks at them. They growl at the tower, and the tower growls back. Eventually, the tower sends up a white flare of surrender. The Axia looks so small in this shot. It's perspective, but yes. I know, it, it's a little bit in front, but it just, because it's also standing right next to the Virtue, it looks tiny. Then we don't get an eye catch. Hello, and thank you for listening to episode 7 of Gundam 00 with us. We get, we did it. We hit the important number for 007. Gonna keep it short and sweet this week. Hey, you know about our Patreon.com slash LastPodcast. If you feel like supporting the show, you can head over there and consider donating to the cause of keeping the show running. We also just recorded our Thanktacular, where we thank everyone who supported us this year. Um, that, along with a special sponsored hell, will be dropping later this month, which is kind of exciting. Okay, that's it. I think I'm done. See? Actually short this week. Okay, bye. And cut back in Chun-Li's mansion. Unconditional surrender signal confirmed. You know, a white firework. The international sign of unconditional surrender. <laughs> See, my, my assumption is that they fired off that firework and everybody, all, like, a lot of people had, like, their, you know, came out of the building with their hands up and whatnot. Or, a, like, an, a specifically a, another signal was sent out. Maybe from the Gundams confirming surrender. Chun-Li compliments him on a job well done. Sumeragi's worried about Setsuna opening his cockpit for no reason, but she's like, yeah, but everything's still going according to our predictions. But Sumeragi is like, I'd rather stray from those predictions, and presumably it's because Veda is predicting a lot more dead before things work out. Yeah, as we'll get for a lot of the rest of this episode, Sumeragi is concerned about the civilian casualties they're incurring. Well, she's just concerned about the people they're incurring. Like, because she specifically says the people sacrificed in this mission, which presume is like pilots and as well. Like, it's just lives. She's yeah, she asks Chun-Li, hey, do you know how many people died today? And she's like, no. And Sumeragi's like, my forecast would be at least 500. And this seems really weird to me. I get what they're going for. But the entire time we saw the action scenes, it looked like they were over deserts and military bases. I was going to comment on that. Apparently, there's a lot of stray fire, but like, we never saw any of that collateral. Yeah, and I feel like if you just saw a jet go down into a building or something, that would read fine. And then when they start saying, hey, there was all this collateral later, it reads a lot better. Because it looks like they are in just fighting in desert military bases. Yeah, it does look they're like fighting they're out in DBZ in, desert. Yeah, it looks like they're out in the middle of nowhere as opposed to where this is going. To, yeah, stray fire. This guy crashed in a city. It's like, when were you near the city? So Sumeragi leaves saying that she knew there were going to be casualties like this, but definitely seeming conflicted about it. She kind of has a thousand yard stare on that. Yep. It's actually a really good shot. Cut back to the United States where they're talking about how the AEU lost their gamble. And they are, of course, the only three Americans that matter. Billy, Graham and Dan. <laughs> oh, we get a shot of the president later this episode. And uh, Billy says the loss of over 20 mobile suits had to hurt. But I think they're going to be 
really supported by their citizens, so they'll expand their military like crazy after this. I think they're going just as planned right now. See, his line there about how their link to Moralia will get even stronger, I don't think Moralia is actually a part of the AEU because of that line. I assumed it was the PMC's link to Moralia. So, I've been making coffee is like, hey, it kind of sucks how no matter what Celestial Being does and how great their victories are, they just keep alienating themselves further and further from the world. And Grab's like, Professor, do you think they're walking down the path of their own destruction? Melodrama? And he's like, well, looks to me like that's what they're trying to do, actually. I mean, the whole world is starting to hate you. Got the JNN headquarters where they're like, wait a minute, we it's been too quick. <laughs> we didn't have graphics. I don't have pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> I do like uh, how Kinue is just like, wow, the war's already over, and then someone has to be like, yo, pay attention, do your job. We then cut to Saji seeing the news in the morning about the war being over already, and him and Luis being like, ah, Celestial Being saved us, so why are they fighting random PMC countries for no reason? I mean, that shot there is one of those, like, spot the main characters. There are three people who look like main characters, but only two of them actually are. There's a dude, like, right in the middle of the shot that looks clearly designed with, like, a bag on his back. I know exactly who you're talking about because I noticed the same thing. So the news starts going into reporting about all the civilian deaths, which, again, I find very interesting as a consequence to talk about. But it seems really discordant with the battle that we thought we saw Because we didn't see them... They were on military bases fighting military stuff. Well, I mean, when they were flying around, like... uh, the curios and his deal like i could i could legitimately see that but they didn't show it to us so now they're telling us this happened which that's kind of the reverse of what you want to do and i mean we also didn't really see the gundams having stray fire into these into buildings and whatnot so they ask if celestial being has issued a statement accepting responsibility for all of the stray fire and collateral and they're like um i don't think so i do love like the random shot while they're going over that, as of some of Pierre's coming to Sergei's room. I love the shot of Felt and Christina sleeping. Felt looks so at peace. While Mom is over in the dining room making mimosas. And just staring off into the distance. It's it really... another tequila sunrise island. <laughs> that was shoehorned in, but I wanted it. You took a bad joke I made off the mics and shoehorned it into the episode. Yep. So Ribbons and Alejandro are like, good job, Gundam Meisters. What next? I bet you want to know, audience. Cut the Sanchez getting dressed down by his employer, boss, mercenary hirer, asking him where he was. And he's like, fighting the Gundam, duh. And they're like, then why aren't you dead? It's like, because I don't suck. Why does your guys not have any casualties? He's like, because their commander's not a moron. Anyway, changing the subject. I got some information moments ago, but I'm not going to tell you. Learn it on the news like all the other plebs. And then presumably points to a TV. And then grins. Cut to Gundam Meister Island. Where Setsuna is being punched in the face by Lock-On. It, it's tough love. Lock-On tries to give him a bright punch. But Setsuna is too shitty of a teenager. And Lock-On is not Noah Bright. He hasn't taken the feet. He's like, you know why I hit you, right? Setsuna's like, ah, so many amendments. <laughs> <laughs> he says the identities of the Gundam Meisters are under the same S-level secrecy as the solar reactors. So why did you expose yourself to the enemy? He's like, God, I didn't take my helmet off. I'm not that stupid. Lock-On actually is being fairly reasonable about this. He's like, dude, just tell me why. And I'll stop punching you. Which causes Tiaria to take out a fucking gun because he is chill. 
He has no chill. And he's like, you're a danger to all of us if you won't tell us. And Blockout's like, knock it off. Dude, fuck off. And TR's like, yeah, but what about the risk to us if he continues being foolish like this? We can't afford to stumble here where we've just started. And then Sutton is like, I'll show you how foolish I am, and then pulls a gun on Tiaria. And basically says, I'm not leaving my Gundam, I will shoot you first. So now they are both pointing guns at each other while Lockon tries to defuse the situation. And Alalia's like, hey, probably don't want to hear from me, the other person who has caused shit, but we were all chosen by Veda, so there's, there's gotta a be a reason. Which raised the question for me, how much about each other do you think the pilots know? I think very little. That was phrased very poorly. I understood what you meant, though, so you got your point across. Yeah, I I actually had the same thought. Like, they probably don't know very much about each other. I would wager they don't know each other's real names. Remember when Lock-On ordered Setsuna some milk? I think that explains I the would, relationship it would be great just fine. If that came up, like he orders him milk, sets in a look, set and goes, "I'm lactose intolerant." <laughs> so Tiara is like, "I want you to show me why you deserve to be a Gundam Meister." Sets in a putting his gun down finally, which causes Setsuna to do the same and finally get up, and he's just like, "My existence is the reason." You know how insane I am, dude. Uh, in the background, Hoobasink is playing. The reason is me. I anyway. think, therefore, I am. Therefore, I should be a Gundam Meister. And then Haro comes in and is like, everyone, get along, get along, and then gets washed away into the ocean. It's <laughs> really good. lock on to be like, no, my Haro. It's like a half second shot. It's so good, though. <laughs> Cut back to Sumeragi in her room. She gets an urgent text message and is like, well, I figured it was going to happen. The urgent text message, by the way, just says something to the effect of like, terrorism is bad. Looks like I need to make this a double. <laughs> Cut back to Tokyo, where Saji and Louise are going on a great-sounding date, where they're going to look at clothes, look at more clothes, look at more clothes, and then look at more clothes. Oh, well, I mean, for Louise. while Louise is not quite to the same scale as the other characters in this series, do you really think Saji would be overly concerned about that? She's no wackus. Well, I was more of thinking along the lines of, like, Miss Sumeragi. She doesn't have quite as much up top. Give her a few years. There's a time skip. <laughs> <laughs> so so then fortunately, this is polite enough to wait until Louise and Saji's conversation is finished. But then the bus that had just driven past them explodes. And Saji instantly is on top of her, hugging her and shielding her from debris. Why is Saji so competent except when he's not? <laughs> I don't. He's got really good reflexes and nothing else. It just cuts and he's like they're on the ground. But he is on top of her. And some random dude helpfully is like, terrorists! I bet terrorists did this! And so he thinks like, he was involved. Yeah. I was actually kind of wondering. Uh, I don't if think he was so. It's just, it's the obvious choice. Like, a bus literally just blew up. Terrorists probably were involved in that. But then Saji's like, we gotta get away from here, Louise. We don't want to be questioned by the cops. So that was my first thought, but also who knows what else is gonna happen. Yeah. Cut to Ian Vashti. Remember him? He's still on Gundam Island. And he's like, hey, guys, something terrible just happened. Here, I need to show you the news. Actually, No, he actually just tells them. I was thinking because that's the way things have been going. I kind of forgot that he doesn't be like, hey, guys, we have to watch this on the news. Do you think he's like set up a bungalow on the island or something? Like, Lock-On clearly just lives in the Gundam hangar. I mean, they have like that place that Alleluia was reading, which I think is like the hangar. But it does seem like it has a living quarters. Yeah. 
I'm just wondering what their long-term arrangements on Gundam Meister Island are. I think there's probably a bungalow. So Ian's like, there have been simultaneous terrorist attacks in seven major cities around the world. Lock-On is very concerned, and Setsuna is mildly concerned. And Alleluia's first thing is to go to, like, how... Any word on casualties? And he's like, yeah, apparently they use timed bombs at places where people gather. The, they, the explosions weren't big, but there were a lot of people at those locations. And they're saying at least 100 people died. And Terrio's like, well, that sucks. Okay, anyway, time for dinner. So Chun-Li calls Lock-On and is like, uh, so the people who did the terrorist... The, the terrorists made a statement on all of the news and were like, unless celestial being ceases their armed interventions and disarms, we will continue with indiscriminate retaliation across the world. Okay, what the fuck terrorist organization is like, you know what, this war on war is bad. Let's suicide bomb some stuff. You want to know my theory? This is Sanchez. I was actually going to say it's a uh, conspiracy by the world governments, specifically, but... No, I'm pretty sure it's Sacha's, because he is morally bankrupt enough to do something like this in order to draw the Gundams out so that he can capture one and get his bonus. I totally believe that. I also feel like the AU was planning on doing something similar, so... Note, I don't actually know. This is a theory. Yeah, no, I also have no idea. I don't believe for a second it's an actual, like, terrorist organization with political demands that say... Please stop warring on war. This is a plant to draw out the Gundams, <laughs> yes. specifically. Or, I mean, it is the most effective tactic against Celestial Being, right? I Because mean, they we, can't be in many places. And this is actually what we talked about to begin with at the beginning. Jeremy brought it up. Gundams can't fight car bombs. Nope. They're useless against the real Although their IRA. leader is pretty good against Jaeger bombs, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> So T.R.E. is like, yeah, who's claiming responsibility? And Chun-Li's like, I don't know, terrorists? Them terrorists. Please remain on Gundam Meister Island until we get more information from our agents. And Lock-On is very angry. And he's like, I can't believe they're going to blackmail us by mass murdering innocent civilians. That's actually hallelujah. Lock-On is fuming. So oh, he I, does th- not say I, I thought Lock-On said something along those lines. But yeah, that is hallelujah. My bad. And T.R.E. is like, I still have dinner plans. Well, he's like, did you, did they seriously think we'd stop just because they killed a few hundred innocent people? And Lockdown is like, what the fuck did you say? And Ian is like, yeah, what the fuck did you say? And he's like, I don't know, I'm an asshole, remember? I don't care who dies. We, we understood that this was possible for this to happen. And Lockdown's like, listen to my backstory. And TR's like, huh, your backstory? Usually you act like you're just gung-ho and comic relief guy. You hate terrorism so much you have to be emotional about it? <laughs> I mean, I think most of us do. Remember that from the perspective of most of the world, we are also terrorists. To which Lockon responds, I think, interestingly, do you have a problem with me hating terrorists? Which implies some conflicting emotions in Lockon, I guess. Which I think all of them have to some degree, except Tiaria, who is like, yes, more murders is good. More murders to eventually reach less murders. He's definitely ends justify the means. And then Setsuna comes in as the voice of reason, which is how you know these fuckboys are fucked. <laughs> Being like, well, if an organization has started a form of warfare known as terrorism, we will just have to intervene. With our giant mobile suits. How are you going to fight a car bomb with that? That's they're what... just going to nuke entire cities. No, see, they're... I've got the solution. Destroy all cars. <laughs> Setsuna's just like, Mom will figure it out, and she'll tell us what to do. So the episode ends on the dramatic moment of Setsuna saying, we're the ones who have to take action to solve this. A problem has been presented that we can't just beat instantly. We can't quit now. 
life is now difficult, so we can't just turn and walk away because the road got spiky. So, Tyler, do you have a high point? That is a really good question. Hmm. I'm actually going to say the entire scene of the Gundamisers, like, kind of having a resolution of the day on Gundamiser Island. It's really good for character development, and we sorely needed some of it. Zach. Sumeragi's Thousand Yard Stare. Also, a it's really such good a shot. good little bit of character because she says it. And like at, when she's initially talking, she's talking to Chun-Li and she's kind of looking at the camera. But then she tur- they have a turn away and she's like looking off to the side. And it's clear she's not actually looking at whatever's there. It's such a good point of animation. It's it, such a good character moment. And her inflection's really good. Uh, to be fair, I only watched the sub. How is her voice acting in that particular scene in the dub? Did it stand out at I, all? I didn't watch the dub. I can check for you later, but... It, it doesn't stand out. This is not the voice actress's fault in any way. Anytime Sumeragi talks in the dub, I'm just distracted by the fact that she's not Maru and Maru's voice is coming out of her mouth. Fair. <laughs> What's your high point, Jeremy? I'm going to go with the beginning. I actually, it's a little edgy, but I actually think it works well as the shock value. I like how quick it is. Before the uh, opening, you mean? Yeah. Sets into murdering somebody and then cuts to the fight. Do you have a low point, Tyler? Maybe. Come back to me. I honestly don't have a great pick because this episode was, like, actually pretty good. Zach. I didn't notice it until you mentioned it, but I definitely agree. Uh, Look at all the fancy things all of our mobile suits can do, except Exia. We don't want him pay to animate him because he's way too cool. I'm going to go with the way the news coverage is just like, and then there was all this collateral damage, which I like fine as a story beat. It just felt really whiplashy to me because I didn't get that at all from the actual fight. It, it didn't feel like they had properly set it up, you mean? Yeah. I'm going to go with all the Gundamisers announcing their tagline and suit um, before doing the thing this episode because I really, like, I feel like we just got it like one or two episodes ago. I don't feel like we needed it again. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? Oh, boy. I'm not going to do it based on my normal who destroyed the most dudes um, this episode. I'm going to say it was actually Sanchez. I think Sanchez was the MVP this episode for keeping his dudes out of danger. Good job, Sanchez. <laughs> Zach. Can I say Lock-On's Haro? <laughs> yes, Haro is a valid... Haro, parenthesis, Lock-On is a valid choice. There is another Haro in this series that I think might get some MVPs. I will go with Haro, parenthesis, Lock-On, because those little moments of it being like, you suck, you suck, and then later when it's getting washed out to sea... They legitimately make me laugh, and it's kind of like that tension relief because it comes on these moments of drama that the Haro pops up in. And it's not overplayed, I think, is really the important thing. It only happens like three. The Haro is on screen for like a total of 10 seconds this entire episode. It's a great character. I love it. Who's your MVP, Jeremy? I'm actually going to go with Setsuna, which is kind of lame, but I actually do like how he kind of takes control at the end, even though he's being a bitch before by not giving his reasoning about why he did the thing. But I like the flashbacks he has. I like his, like, sort of, in like, we don't get his internal dialogue, but you can tell he's thinking when Tiaria calls him and he's like, I'm going to shoot you in the back if you do that again. Jeremy, I... it can't possibly, he's not being a bitch when he doesn't tell him about it. They are just not cleared to know his backstory. The, the, the clearance is too high on that. You, you heard the uh, triple S level clearance needed. I actually really like Setsuna in this episode. Because, like, we get a lot of interesting, I guess, character motivation is not really the right word, but like information about his character. And the fact that he refuses to respond there is very much in character. And then the fact that he refuses to give up his Gundam because he is a Gundam is also, I think, very informative. He's messed up, 
in more ways than I think just regular ass PTSD would imply. Well, I mean, I think this episode also does a really good job of showing why he is that messed up. Yeah, I feel like this is one of the better episodes for actually giving us some like character development. And it's not um, just telling us about it, right? We're actually yeah. getting shown it. Yeah, we're seeing interactions between multiple people who have significant mental problems. Um, and that's actually kind of interesting to watch. So we haven't been putting many mobile suits on our mobile suit list. And I think we need to add some more. So let's go ahead and put the AAU's Hellion on here, which is not the Enact, but wants to be. <laughs> I weirdly think the Hellion is better than the Rildo. It's Union equivalent, but not as good as the Flag. I actually don't think it's as good as the real though. I like and it I, slightly better. I mean, part of it is I don't like that AU aesthetic because it's it's also kind of got the weird like head thing going on. I feel like the real though does too, but not nearly as bad as the AU stuff. I mean, granted, the enact is much worse about it. I like the AU stuff in isolation. I don't like them as much in this series, but like on their own, I think they're kind of neat designs. But no, I, I think I agree. I think I prefer the Heli into the real though. I don't think I like it more than the worst mobile suit ever performance-wise, the Leo. I think I like it better than the Leo. I don't think I do. Like, the Leo is kind of bland, but at the same time, like... It looks functional. It, it, it's got that functionality look to me, so... The Gelsgi, the Dryder, I think is a more interesting concept, even though I think it looks dumb. I would agree with that, yeah. Well, you know my thoughts on this. I think it's better than the Bobby, though. Another bad transforming mobile suit we have pretty low on the list. Uh, Bobby looks like crap. I really don't like the Bobby, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so the Hellion goes at number 92, above the Bobby and below the Gelsgi. All right, thank you very much for listening. It's a Gundam will return in indiscriminate retaliation. You can't call this mess a war. This is a one-sided, butt-kicking fiasco.